You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM. And this week, we are talking about my better half, which is a horse half, because I am actually a centaur. Yeah, it's not come up much on the podcast so far. You know, it's not super relevant to my recording. But uh, yeah, I am and have always been a centaur. I have a horse butt. You can find the centaur on page 38 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. This is a classic mythological monster, right? Everybody knows what a centaur looks like. It's sort of a half-human, half-horse. is a human from the waist up and a horse from the waist down. Originally derived from ancient Greek myths, uh, they feature in a couple of stories, notably Theseus killing a bunch of them at a wedding, and also the famous centaur Chiron, who was like an instructor to a lot of Greek heroes. In 5th edition, they are CR2 large monstrosities, As per their equine half, they have a 50-foot move speed. Uh, They have a couple of skills. They speak Elvish and Sylvan, oddly. They have a charge power is their main thing, where they can, you know, if they move up to 30 feet and then attack, they deal extra damage. And then they just have multi-attack. You know, they have a pike, uh, hooves, and then a longbow. So once again, this is another sort of intelligent humanoid monster, like the Bullywug or the Aarakocra. Unlike the Bullywug, but like the Aarakocra, there are several playable ancestry versions of the Centaur available in 5th edition. Uh, Ravnica and Theros, I believe, both have one. Um, they have a strength and wisdom bonus. Uh, they have a charge power similar to the Minotaur's charge. They have a skill proficiency choice. You can choose between like animal handling, nature, survival, that kind of thing. And they've got this interesting power called Equine Build, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But first, we're going to cover the history of the centaur as it appears across uh, all the different editions of Dungeons & Dragons. Centaurs first appear in the first edition Monster Manual, and if I'm honest, I was expecting some yuckiness considering some of the implications the monster has had since their mythic inception. But the entry, honestly, is pretty tame. Uh, Like all humanoids, they do spend a lot of time talking about, you know, their lairs and how much treasure they would have and how many males and how many females there are in any given group of centaurs. But I was actually surprised that they are more or less represented as people. Like they're not demonized in the same way like the Bullywug was, right? They're presented as being neutral but reclusive and that if threatened, they have a tendency to try to uh, give magic items to adventurers rather than letting them slaughter their civilians. You know, so there is a little bit more attempt to humanize them even all the way back in first edition, which I thought, you know, that's pretty progressive for a first edition monster. Second edition, of course, preserves most of this. Even a lot of the text is the same between first and second edition, but they go into more detail about their sort of society and their ecology. There's talk about druids and how they sometimes grow kind of like thorny barriers and walls around their settlements. Um, They do make a point about how they can become rowdy and boorish under the influence of alcohol, which is, again, more what I was assuming. That's very mythic. Greek myths will talk a lot about that with centaurs that, you know, with too much wine, they have a tendency to go kind of crazy. I've always liked that about the centaur myth, but I definitely understand how, you know, giving monsters an inherent sort of like addiction component can be pretty problematic. And I'm honestly surprised I've not seen it more across the editions. Good for D&D. 
It was in 3rd edition they were first featured as a playable ancestry. Of course, it includes all that wacky 3rd edition stuff like level adjustment and monstrous hit dice. I I had a flashback even just reading it. 4th edition doesn't introduce the centaur until Monster Manual 2, and they make an explicit Feywild connection, which I think is kind of this war that's been going on at the center of the centaur. Are they Fey? Are they not? 4th edition really kind of starts to push them in that direction, and 5th edition sort of retains it, sort of rejects it. It really depends on the world you're talking about. Mechanically, they have this fun ability called Quick Kick, which I really like. The idea is that they can make an opportunity attack against someone who moves into a flanking position with them. There's, of course, a bunch of variants centaur knights and centaur mages and centaur archers and things which you know are cool but very tactical fourth edition style and then in 5e they appear as a playable ancestry as i said in both theros and ravnica mainly because they're featured heavily in magic the gathering as a creature type and so when looking for playable ancestries of course they tapped into the centaur the ravnica ones are expressly described as smaller which makes sense for kind of like a cityscape they also have kind of a celtic feel you know clans and druids and stuff more kind of nature connections. Whereas Theros portrays them more like they're portrayed in the 5th edition Monster Manual as being kind of like herd animals. Two kind of distinct ethnic groups. One of them is kind of your classic, you know, barbarians on the edge of society raiding for supplies. Where the other one is presented more of kind of like a traveling merchant clan. You know, kind of uh, still moving in herds, but specifically trading with human communities they encounter. Great, and that's the history of the centaur. Pretty much unchanging across the history. And again, what I would say surprisingly progressive, considering the way that Dungeons & Dragons liked to typify its sort of monstrous humanoids in the past. Next, we're going to talk about the ways that 5th edition handles the centaur as well, and the things that I like about them. I would say across the various iterations of the centaur that 5th edition probably has the coolest lore. As I mentioned before, there's this weird association with centaurs and, like, Celtic paganism and a lot of the previous editions, and I, I don't really understand that. Like, there's a natural component for sure in their kind of Greek origin, but this idea of, like, druids, you know, and clans and stuff feels at odds with how I normally think of them. They're inspired by wild horses, right? And horses tend to congregate in herds. So the notion of like a herd mentality, kind of a nomadic, almost Scythian style uh, centaur is kind of more what I gravitate towards. And 5th edition definitely presents something similar. They talk about how they they have this really cool conflict where the centaur herds will move in these kind of migratory patterns that take decades to complete. And so you get scenarios where the centaurs will move through an area and then won't be back for 50, 40, 70 years, right? And when they come back, maybe there's a new settlement. Maybe there are new people that have moved into that area and the centaurs come into conflict with them. So it's this very kind of like realistic people on the move, but still with an interesting fantasy bend to it rather than just like centaurs are wild barbarians that live on the frontiers and raid. It's like, no, they have this life cycle thing where they, they're constantly migrating. It's something I've incorporated into my world. I I was inspired by the way that wildebeests migrate in these huge numbers. And I liked the idea of centaurs doing something similar. Like, what if people moved like that in kind of a cyclical fashion? Like I say, I feel like there are other... If you're going to draw parallels with other Earth cultures, I feel like Celts are not especially known for their horses. They certainly have them. They're certainly horse deities. But, like, I would love to see, like I say, like, Saracen or Mongol inspired centaurs i feel like those are really strong horse cultures that could really benefit from that kind of an association secondly i mentioned this before but i think they have been treated pretty well over the course of their history and i think it's cool to see that continue to be reflected here you know it would be easy to talk about some of their more 
pernicious elements. If you're not familiar, centaurs have often been associated with like, again, alcoholism and like wild revelry and sometimes even sexual assault and a lot of like ancient Greek myth. And there was a part of me that was braced for first edition and second edition to kind of like embrace that. And they just don't. And that's cool, right? I'm really glad that they have tried to develop the centaur as their own sentient people with their own culture and traditions and not demonize them into being these kind of lusty monsters from the wilderness. That's cool, too. It's a surprising turn of events when first edition Dungeons and Dragons is more or less culturally correct. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about uh, a little bit more of their mechanics Specifically with the playable ancestry, equine build is a really interesting mechanic because it both presents a benefit and a drawback. So one of my complaints about centaurs as like playable characters has been that how do you deal with things like ladders, right? If you have this kind of equine build, as the feature is described, how do you deal with these kinds of circumstances where if you don't have sort of like a humanoid or almost like an ape build, how do you climb ladders? How do you go downstairs? So equine build, the way it works is that uh, because they are, they have this sort of horse half that makes them extra strong and they can carry a lot more things than a, a, hum- a regular humanoid could carry, but they move at like, you know, four times the speed in scenarios that they climb mountains or ladders, anything that requires them to use hands and feet to climb, it takes them four times as long to go up it. It's still like... I think this is actually a really good compromise. It does kind of beg the visual of like, what is a centaur climbing a ladder looking like? Is their butt just like jutting out? Does it fold down? Like there's so many questions. I think this is a pretty elegant way to kind of hand wave that and not get too concerned exactly what the physiology is there. So I think that's a really smart and elegant way to do it. Awesome. And those are the things we like about the centaur. A little bit more conceptual than mechanical, but that's kind of what happens when you get these humanoid uh, monsters where there's there's not a lot going on mechanically, which we're about to talk about when we talk about things we don't like so much about the centaur. You've probably guessed already what my first complaint is going to be, but if you're new here, the centaur is kind of boring to run. It's a problem that has plagued all of our humanoid monsters and that they tend to basically just be a pile of hit points with multi-attack and a weapon. The centaur is a little more interesting. It's got charge, which we'll talk about in a second. But again, there's just not a lot here to recommend them. I think their CR is also like weirdly too high. Their CR two definitely charge is a thing and they've got a fair number of hit points. But if you compare other CR two monsters, right, like uh, an Ankeg or a rug of smothering, It's like hard to imagine fighting one centaur like this is going to be an equal challenge to something like the rug. So it's a little contradictory to say they need to be more interesting to run, but also maybe not quite so powerful, so high CR. You know, how do you give them cool abilities while also bringing down that CR? I would love to see them at like a CR one, because you kind of imagine you're going to be facing multiple centaurs. Like the whole point of them is that they're in these massive herds, right? So I guess maybe a higher level party could fight like 15 centaurs or something. But you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to face just one of them, CR2 seems weirdly high, especially if there's nothing else going on here. So your choices are either to make the centaur less powerful, right, and lower the CR, or to give it more abilities and keep it at its current CR. The point being, they're boring to run. They need some cool, unique centaur things. Speaking of which, they have charge, which I think is a good start. It definitely, like, I like that it plays in with, you know, other powers that other quadruped monsters like horses have. But the problem with it, tactically, is that it's basically a one and done. You know, if they can move up to 30 feet towards a target, they can hit and get extra damage. 
which is okay, but it's only if they hit. And then once they move in, they've moved in. And so they'd have to action disengage and then run away and then charge again, right? You almost kind of want them to have more of like a jousting thing where they run past and hit and keep moving. There's a natural tendency to want to charge the centaur in, but then once it's in, it gets stuck, right? It's presumably, especially if it's fighting, if it's CR2 and it's fighting a low-level party, it's going to get surrounded and then it's stuck there, right? So there isn't really much way to repeat that. If it's going to be a one-and-done power, then I really feel like it's got to be more powerful than that, or the centaur needs some way to easily run past or escape uh, in a situation like that. More like a a flyby attack kind of a thing. And then lastly, a lore quibble... I don't know if they're intended to be fey or not. So the ancestry, which again is specific to Theros and Ravnica, describes them not even as being humanoids, that they're fey. Like not not like a, a half-elf is fey, but like a true fey. Their type isn't humanoid anymore, right? They don't have fey ancestry. They are fey. But then here they're presented as monstrosities, right? Which I kind of prefer. But then they also are given elvish and sylvan, weirdly, as their languages. And it's like... well. Like, okay, yeah, maybe they can speak with elves or they tend to live in forests, but Sylvan? Are they forest creatures? Like, the 5th edition version describes them as being on these, like, long migratory patterns, so they're not staying in one place. Why do they just have the forest language and then the elf language? Wouldn't they need a bunch of languages, really, to be moving around that much? I get it, you know, a lot of languages in Dungeons and Dragons tend to be regional rather than, you know, sort of based on species. But but there's just a confusion about whether or not they have an association with the Feywild or not. I personally prefer the sort of non-Fey version of the centaur. But if they had done a Fey centaur, then they should just do a Fey centaur rather than weirdly trying to straddle the line between both. So then how would you go about improving the centaur? I definitely think there's some mechanical work that needs to be done here. I, I would personally choose to make them more mobile, whether by giving them kind of like a ride-by attack thing where they can kind of joust at an enemy with their pike or giving them the ability to kind of disengage and and flee, right? That's If you're talking about Mongols and kind of like horseback tactics, that's a super, super, super common thing amongst like nomadic peoples, right? Is the kind of false retreat where they attack, they charge in, they turn and run and try to like bait their enemy into chasing them and only to reform and attack again. Some combination of either like a, a ride by or a false retreat, I think, would be really cool, and it would give the centaur a lot more mobility. Like, you should, if you're a humanoid with two legs, you should constantly feel like this centaur has uh, just wheeling around you, vastly more mobile, impossible to pin down. That's how the Scythians fell to the Greeks. That's who inspired the centaurs. I think that's a pretty easy line to draw. How you would mechanize that, there's a couple of different ways. I would tighten up their origin. I would make a distinction about whether or not they're fey or not. I feel like you could do a thing if you want them to be fey, which again, I don't necessarily need them to be, but they do definitely have that association. You could make a point about their migratory patterns, right? Maybe they migrate from the fey wild to the material plane. That's part of the cycle, right? So if you want that, like, oh God, look at all these centaurs are suddenly here. I like the idea of, you know, certain crossings allowing the centaurs to pass through, Right. Maybe there's some weird time displacement things where it's like, yeah, the centaurs are just on their normal route. It takes them a year. But, you know, they're only back to to the material plane once every 70 years or whatever. You could easily explain the kind of like migratory pattern time imbalance with some Feywild magic if you wanted to. That would also explain why they have Sylvan if they spend most of their time in the Feywild and only briefly jaunt onto the material plane. You don't have to make that their origin. You could certainly keep them as mundane creatures, but it feels like they just can't decide which. And so my improvement would be decide. 
And my last suggestion, I certainly don't want to go fourth edition crazy with this, but I do feel like one of the big weaknesses with fifth editions, you know, sort of intelligent humanoid monster design is that they tend to say there's just one bullywug. All bullywugs are like this. All Aarakocra are like this. All centaurs are like this. There's a few changes, like there's a couple of monsters like hobgoblins and goblins and some orcs where they break them up. But I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of centaur choices, right? Even like the difference between like a centaur lancer and a centaur archer. You know, maybe you could throw a centaur druid in there if you wanted to. But just give us a little bit more variety, you know, to kind of showcase that not all centaurs are exactly the same. And all of them wield a pike and all of them wield a longbow a little bit more variation. And maybe that's a good place. You, If you want to have two different ways for the centaurs to be mobile, maybe the centaur lancer does the ride-by attack and the centaur archer does the false retreat, right? That might be a nice way to do it. Oh, I would also add this. I love quick kick. I feel like one good way to get, to prevent a centaur from being surrounded, have their hoof attack as part of the multi-attack push people. I like the idea of them being able to, to spend their reaction to kick somebody who's like moving around inside their threat range. Right, because I feel like that's a thing that happens a lot in fifth edition. You might not have flanking, but it's pretty easy to reposition yourself inside the threat range. Have there be a penalty to getting around back behind the centaur, right? You're going to get donkey kicked, which, again, I feel like is very cool and very thematic and something that, that I've not seen on any other monster before. So that's kind of a cheeky fourth one, but you can slide that in there. Great, and that brings us to the end of our centaur episode. That's, again, what's tricky about these humanoids, right, is you got to find a way to make them unique and interesting without overpowering them if you're meant to be encounter a bunch of them. So I think a little bit of customization on the mechanics and then maybe make a variation uh, or two on the centaur could help bring them to life. Next week, we'll be talking about another one of my favorite monsters, another Greek mythology monster, as we are talking about the Chimera. I have a lot of positive associations with Chimeras I've run in the past, so I'm looking forward to that one. But until then, thanks for listening. Sorry to beat a dead horse and happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter at ProDMTimothy. If you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Even $1 a month gets you access to the redesigned monsters that we discuss here on the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash ProDM. You can catch those monster redesigned streams Thursdays at 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, used under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.